humorous this week. Thought I'd share with y'all. Um, this little girl went to her first wedding, and they were in the church, and the little girl was looking around, and she asked her mama, she said, why does the bride have on white? And the mama said, white is a symbol of happiness. This is the happiest day of, of her life. And the little girl looked perplexed, and she looked around, and she said, well, why does the groom have on black? <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave that up to y'all. <laughs> hey. I just thought that was kind of funny. I want to just talk to you a few minutes. So they gave me an hour and five minutes. So you know, I know y'all said you want to be done by 11.30, but you have to talk to Johnny Frank. He needs to sing another song or something. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about grasshopper mentality. Are you a grasshopper? And we'll get into that in a little bit. You know, a couple of years ago, the Lord began trying to teach me something. And Angie said, if I wasn't so hard-headed, I could probably learn a little faster. <laughs> but, you know, we were just, I don't know, for the last couple of years, you know, the devil's really been on us. He's just been getting hammered and hammered and gut punch and gut punch. It seemed like an endless... Flowing. A few weeks ago, she texted me and said, call me when you can. I texted her back and said, not if it's another problem. You know, <laughs> I got enough right now. That's, but anyway, he, he, he began to, to teach me about making decisions from a losing perspective. In there. You know, we, 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 when the pressure is on, we'll make decisions that we wouldn't normally make. And because of the sin nature... <laughs> For some reason, every time we have a problem, our first thought is, how much is it going to cost me? Or, or what is the loss? Or how much harm is, is this going to do to me? And, and we make decisions from, from that perspective. And, and this is a th thought the Lord laid on my heart. I mean, I heard an audible voice. Just You know how he, he talks to each person different. And his question was, where are you getting that information from? When you have a problem, <clears throat> where are you getting that information from? Are you getting it from the circumstance? Or are you getting it from the word? That makes all the difference in, in our perspective. And because, because of, uh, we, our, we have so much trouble with our flesh, we give more credence to the circumstance than we do what God said. And so we end up letting the circumstance dictate to us what our harm or our loss or what the outcome of this situation will be based on what we think in our mind how it would play out. And that's all based on what? Our past experience, our experience we've seen other people have. We judge that outcome based on that instead of judging that outcome based on what God said. Go to Proverbs uh, 23. Get my spectacles here where I can see. My mom looked at my piece of paper a while ago. She said, can you read that? I said, not without my glasses. <laughs> she said, no, I just meant to write. She was talking about. <laughs> I can read my own scribbling. Proverbs 23, right behind Psalms there. Proverbs 23, 7. Look at, find it. I know we're going to have it on the screen, but find it in your Bible so you can write on it and make some notes. It says, For as he thinketh in his heart, 
so is he. Or as a man reasons things out in his heart, so is he. We could say you are like you are because you think that way. You know, as, as, as we grow, we get a train of thought. As we get older, we use that train of thought. And when situations hit us, that train of thought kicks in. If it's been trained to negative, it's been trained into bad, then that's our thought about this thing. So it says, as you reason out or think in his heart, so is he. So what happens when we start reasoning? When we start reasoning, we start negotiating. We say, we laid up in the hospital, and we say things like, <clears throat> Lord, if you will heal me from this heart attack, I, 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 I can live with the blood pressure problem. See, we reason, we negotiate, and trying to find a point that we think would, would at least give us a satisfactory outcome. Something that we think we can live with, but most of the time that's not God's best. We need tires for the car. Lord, if you help me get these tires, then, then, you know, I, I can live with no air conditioning. So we, we y'all with me? We, we make those negotiated based on, on our reasoning <clears throat> and based on what we think we can do as a person. See, we say things like, I can't fix that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Me, 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 me. You find that nowhere in the Bible. That he tells you that you're to figure out your problems, that you're to solve your problems, that you're to be your own solution. But when our reasoning takes over, that's what we do. We begin to try to figure it out. What can I do? How can I fix this? I right, go to, um, right there in Proverbs, flip back to Proverbs 18. And I'll read this scripture, then I'll get where I, where I want to go. Proverbs 18 and verse 20 is very familiar. We read it in a couple of different translations. It says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's look at that in, in the Amplified. They have that on the screen. It says, A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and with the consequences of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. Now, one thing else that we've not understood, that spiritual law has a good side and a bad side. It works on the bad just like it works on the good. We always just want to take the good when we say good things, and we don't look at when we say the other things. But he's saying here, you're going to be satisfied with what you say, either good or evil. Put, put verse 21 up there. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or for life. Now, I like the contemporary English in this. Put verse 21 up in contemporary English. Words can bring life or death. Talk too much and you'll eat everything you say. Have you ever said, I'm going to make you eat them words? Huh? But we don't think about that when we're in the middle of a problem. We are so tunnel vision that all we see is the problem. See, but he's saying here, if you, have you ever been around somebody and you just, 
you're talking more than you should. You start feeling that old, like you need to shut up, you need to shut up, but you just don't shut up. And that thing's just eating on the inside. And when you, when you, leave, when you leave, you think, that those, man, I said too much. I talked too much. I should have just shut up in there. All right. So let's go to numbers, and we'll, we'll get to the meat of this grasshopper mentality. Numbers chapter 13. This will be a very familiar story. Verse 25. Now this is, uh, let me give you a little prep. This is where Moses got the 12 spies and he sent the 12 spies out. And and they're they're returning now with, with, with their report here. So we'll pick up in verse 25 when they came back. It said, they returned from searching from searching of the land after 40 days. And when they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into a land which thou sendest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit thereof. Now, the whole time they were in the wilderness, God told them what this land was going to be, right? It was going to be a land that flowed with milk and honey. He was going to give them vineyards they didn't plant, houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig. But he also went on to say that the people in that land are stronger than you. That they have walled cities. He went on to tell them all this. He said, but don't worry about that. I'm going to go before you and drive them out. Don't remember the scriptures there in, 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 in Genesis and in, in Numbers. You can read. That's what God told them. All right. So here they come back. And they're verifying right there what God said. Truly, this is a land that flows with milk and honey. You know, they come back. If you read the story, you know, they had a cluster of grapes. that was so big they had to put it on a pole and two people had to carry it. That The, the cluster of grapes was so, was so big. See? But then you get to verse 28. Nevertheless, or same as but, right? You say but. But the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, or the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land to the south. The Hittites to Jebusites. The Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So now, have they gave any information that they didn't already know? So they went and they seen the good and they seen the bad that God told them. The people are stronger than you. They're bigger than you. But instead of focusing on the good, they focused on the I can't. These people are stronger than us. These people are bigger than us. But that was not news. So they are choosing the circumstance over God saying, don't worry about that. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to drive them out. They left that part out. See? So they're choosing to say the circumstance is bigger than God. All right, let's move on. 
And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So Caleb believes, right? But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now I took in my Bible where it said, We be not able. I put God is not able. That's what they're saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what you say. God just ain't able to do this for me. We're not saying that, but by believing that the circumstance is going to take us down, that's what we're saying. In so many words, we're saying God can't do this for me. God ain't big enough. God ain't strong enough to do this for me. And that's the only way we grow is when we get real with ourselves. See? We say, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. So that means I got to do it. God won't do it for me. Don't know how I'm going to handle this. means I got to handle it. God can't handle this for me. See, same thing they're saying. We judge, when we read stories in the Bible, you notice how we judge these people? Man, if that was me, I'd have done so, 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 and so, so, so. I don't know why they done this or why they done that. And then when you really look at our own lives, we're doing the same thing they do. Ain't no difference in us and them. Except we read about them and I think one day they may read about us, haven't they? So now, I ask you the same question that the thought the Lord gave me. Where are they getting their information from? Whatever's going on in your life, where are you getting that information from? Who told you that? Where did that come from? 99.9%, it came from the circumstance, the doctor, the lawyer, the trusted friend. It didn't come out of the Bible. And we put more faith in that than we do God. I can prove it to you real easy. Y'all all can, can relate to this. You go to the doctor and the doctor says, we're going to do some tests. Then the doctor calls you out of the test and says, I think we need to do more tests. I see something I don't like. But we can't do it for two weeks. I don't know why they do that to folks. Huh? I, I know several people that had cancer. And it's two, three months before they can ever start the treatment. I'm like, this makes no sense. You know? So what are you going to do that next two weeks? What if, 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 what if? That's what you're going to do. What if it ain't nothing, though? Just flip it. What if it's okay? Why can't we think like that? What if it's okay? What if it's going to be all right? What if it ain't as bad as they say? What if? You can what if, but you can what if on either. Remember, the spiritual law works the same on both sides. You can what if on the good, or you can what if on the bad and drive yourself crazy. See? All right? But you're all stressed out. You're all wound up. You're all concerned. You don't even sleep the night before you go to the doctor to get the results. Is that right or wrong? Hmm? All right. So when you go to the doctor and he says, well, it just must have been a bad image. Everything's all right. Where did all that stress go? Huh? We just lost, it just left, right or wrong. All self-generated. We made up every bit of that. We put ourselves in, we put that in our imagination, and we caused all of that. Because we chose to read into what he something that he did not say. We read it in that it had to be bad or he wouldn't want to do something else. Instead of, why can't it be good? Do you see it? 
we've got that grasshopper mentality. Grasshopper mentality is that I'm going to lose. It's going to cost me something. I can't win this. Same thing they're doing. God promised me this. Man, I see those big, nice houses over there and those whales and these big old grapes. But I can't do that. 100% right. He didn't tell you to do it. Didn't tell them to do it. He said he was going to do it. By his stripes, ye were, not are, past tense. See? So he's already gave it to you. You just got to reach out and take it. My God will supply what? But you don't believe it. I don't believe it because I worry about my needs all the time. It's just the truth. But if we're going to grow, we got to accept the truth. we got to see ourselves for what we are. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the only way you're going to grow. If not, we're in self-denial, and we're never going to benefit from all this time. You, you see people go to church their whole life, and they ain't no different now than they was 30 years ago. They wasted all that time. They could have been watching football every Sunday. That's <laughs> the truth. Why are you coming if you ain't wanting to learn? Why are you coming if you don't want to do better in your life? If you're not going to take what you learn at this church and apply it to your life, you're better off doing something else. I mean, because it's just a religious thing. We're just going to, to, to people know we go to church and maybe it'll give us some points with God. But we're not taking anything and using it to benefit our lives. He's got better for us than we got for ourselves if we'll ever realize that. Y'all with me? Y'all take a little more? Look, I didn't have to go through this myself, so yeah, it's y'all's turn. All right, verse 32. It said, they brought up an evil report of the land. Now, I know those that's in the Sunday morning class already know this, but I don't say this for the, for, the, for the others. When you see the word evil in the Bible, it's not talking about vile, bad people. The word evil or the word wicked, when you see it, we get that word evil and wicked from, from our word wicker, wicker furniture. What is wicker furniture? It's twisted. It's twisted. These people have a twisted thinking. When the Bible calls you evil, he's saying your thinking is backwards. You're thinking the wrong way, see? Instead of thinking biblical and by God, we, we got our, it's a double-minded. The Bible calls double-minded. You're twisted. You, you got some other thought than what, than what we should have, see? So they brought up a, a twisted report, right? Because God said, all this stuff you're saying is true. But I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to take care of it, see? So they twisted it. That's the same thing that, the, same thing the devil did to Eve. He took everything God said and he just added one thing. Don't touch it. Everything else he told them was identical to what God told them. He just twisted it. Evil. Just twisted it just a little bit. See? So they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And now listen, where did they see they, 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 they saw the giants at? In just a certain part of the land, right? Then it was the Jebusites and all these other people, right? Now, their imagination has been working. Now, this probably, these 10 guys, this is not the first time they've had this conversation. The whole 40 days they've been over there, they've been having this conversation amongst themselves. 
about how big these people are, about how tough this land is, about how big these walls are, and all this stuff. They just now talking open. They've been having this conversation, just like that thing we have in our mind every day. We've been having these conversations a long time. And then we finally bring them up. It says, let's start back in 32. It says, they brought forth an evil report of the land for which they had searched out unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. Now watch this. What's that next word? And how many people? All the people we saw are men of grace. All the people now are giants, not just a few of them. They're all giants now. And then, and then what they're saying? They have let their imagination run away with them, and now it, it was, it, it's a bigger problem. The more they think about it, it's a bigger problem. You ever notice when you talk to somebody about your problem, I call them one-ups. You got a bunch of people around, they want to one-up. Be sure their problem is a little bigger than yours. We got we to one-up because you can't be concerned about my problem until I can tell you how grave, what the gravity of it is. It's got to be bigger than anything you've ever dealt with. Is that right? Hmm? I got a broke arm, you got a broke arm, but mine twice as bad as yours because it broke mine all the way through. Yours was just cracked. Huh? <laughs> but that's how we do, right? We got to one up it. We got to get that compassion for people by telling them how bad our story is. Now, you find me one verse in the Bible that tells you to tell somebody how bad your problem is. There's none. It tells them telling you how great your God is. That's what it tells you to tell them. We overcome it by what? The word and the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Your testimony can be good or bad. When you're going around telling everybody everything going on in your life, everything that's wrong with you, all the problems you've got, you are testifying to how big the devil is and how little God is in your life. See? That's all it is. So all the people... We saw a great statue. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come from the giants, or Nephilim is who they were, if you in the other parts of the Bible. And we were, put that, I don't read this off the screen. And we were in our own sight, what? And so we were in whose sight? Because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, these people saw them how? When you see yourself as a loser, people are going to see you how? As a loser. Because you project that mentality. You project those vibes. You project that you don't deserve it, that you ain't good enough, that you can't do it. You project that off, and then people say, well, he can't do it. It's about the dumbest rascal I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> do you see it? Because <clears throat> how they saw themselves is how everything else saw them. When the devil sees you as a grasshopper, then he's going to make sure you feel like a grasshopper. You see that? All right, now, I want to show you this. I think y'all got that part of it. Go to Joshua. Go right past Deuteronomy, you'll find Joshua. The second chapter of Joshua. I want to ask you a question. And seriously, I'm not making this as a joke. Does God lie? 
Does God lie? But sometimes we feel like he lies to us because what he said ain't happening in our life. Is it his fault or our fault? So why do we go around saying God did this, God did that? It's our fault. Why are we blaming it on him? Well, God just didn't want me to have that, I reckon. That's what we say. I mean, I say it too. I ain't putting it all off on y'all. Oh, let's see right here now. This is Joshua. <clears throat> He's getting ready to lead. It's been 40 years now. He's getting ready to lead these people across the Jordan. So Joshua's a little smarter. I reckon that ain't right to say this. He's only going to send two people. He ain't sending 12. He's just going to send two. <laughs> so these spies go and they get to Jericho. And somebody sees them and lets the town know that they're there. So they run up on top. If you read the story about Jericho, the top of the Jericho walls was, was, was eight feet or more wide. Thick, thick walls of Jericho. All right? And people lived up there and they had horses and carriages. So, so this is where they ran to. And they ran into to Rahab, the harlot. All right? So she's protected them. And now that they've found out that they're there... <clears throat> Her plan is she's going to let them down with a rope over the side of the wall. Y'all don't know the story. But first, before she lets them down, she wants to tell them something. Now let's pick up here what she's going to tell them. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the king, two kings of the Amorites and on the other side of Jordan, Zion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and in all the earth. These people have been living in fear for 40 years, waiting for them to come take the land. Right or wrong? God did 40 years ago what he told them he was going to do. I'm going to put the fear of you, the dread of you. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to drive these people out. All you got to do is cross the Jordan. He told us the same thing. 2,000 years ago, he told us the same thing. But we continue to choose circumstances over the world. We continue to see ourselves as grasshoppers instead of saints. All they had to do was cross the Jordan and say, boo. And then people would have run. But all this time, they're sitting over there with their imagination saying, we can't, we can't, we can't. And the people over there on the other side of Jordan are saying, I hope they don't come. I hope they don't come. I hope they don't come. Hmm? See, we, we, we beat the devil whether we figure it out or not. We win. We just got to see ourselves as winners. And not the other way around. And you may have to try four or five times. You may fall. You may mess up. That don't matter. You didn't. When you fall and you mess up and you don't do it right, you ain't surprised God. 
Just pick it up, repent, and get back on the path, and He'll help you figure it out. That's what walking this walk is. We ain't never going to get it right till we get out of here. See? But we can decide what information we're going to base our life on. See, the worst thing we can do is base our life on what circumstances tell us. Then we'll always be washed away with the circumstances as they change. Instead of having this word as our, as our foundation, the Bible says what? It won't get washed away. It made the winds going to blow, the storm in this world, you should have tribulations, what he said, right? <clears throat> but he said what? Be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. I've already come, come that far you. Go to, oh, place where we're coming back to Joshua. Go to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians 10. Because we always think that we're going through something nobody else is going through. <clears throat> First Corinthians 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 13. There hath no temptation, or that word temptation means trial, tribulation, problem. They have no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. So we ain't going through nothing that somebody else ain't already gone through. Well, what is the next sentence though? God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape or a way out, that you may be able or have the power and the resources to bear it. See, the first thing we got to train ourselves is, is that when we got a problem, God, you said there's a way out. Show me. Where's the way out? Where's the way? Then a problem, he said right here, there's not a problem you got or will ever have or could ever deal with that he ain't already made a way of escape for you, for you to end up better than you went in. But when we get our eyes on the circumstances, then we block our ability to hear sound reasoning. And we can't hear that sound reasoning, then we can't find that way of escape. So that does my heart good when I realize that no matter what I get into, that he's already made a way out of it if I'll just search and spend time with him and look for that way out. And you think of all the things that you've been through in your life, and you give inventory that we didn't have to go through. That way of escape was there if we'd have just listened. If we'd have just took the time to say, finding out what you say is more important than finding out what I think. And base it off of that, find out what he says about it. And when you find out what he says about it, that's how faith comes. Faith comes by how? Hearing and hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing and hearing the word of the devil. Faith is just like fear. They both will bring, fear will bring you things you don't want. See, fear is, is Adam's faith in reverse. That's what fear is. That was Adam's originally faith that got contaminated with Eve, with, when Eve did what she did. That's where we find our fear. That's the fear that we have. But it's the same spiritual draw that faith is. So we have to decide that we're not going to worry and have anxiety, having stress, and bring those things that I don't want into my life. Or the things that are in my life make them worse. I'm going to choose the way out. I'm going to choose to find the way out. Right back to, back to Joshua.
And I have, I have lost Joshua. It's in here. I just got to find it. Okay, so we see here then that everything God told them was true. God said, I, it's the land that flows with milk and honey. These wall cities, these, all, all these big people. But don't worry about it, I got it. You just do what I tell you to do. All right? So we're 40 years later now. Here's your recipe to success. Be 40 years later. And this is the night before Joshua is to lead the people across the Jordan. All right? So now, Joshua is there, and he's having these thoughts. You know, this is a great people that God's given me. I, I got to do this right. I, I, I got to be able to, 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 to know that I'm doing all these people's lives are at risk. You know, he's got all this weight. He's thinking all this stuff. And, and, and God gets his attention here in, in chapter 1, in verse 5. He tells Joshua, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not forsake thee, nor fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, verse 6. This is what we got to do if we want to win every time. Be strong and of a good, this is God talking to him. Be strong and of a good courage. He said, hey, have some backbone here, Joshua. Have some backbone. That's sometimes that's what we got to do. Have some backbone. Set your mind to this, Joshua. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only. That's the only thing God's requiring of him is whatever's passed only, right? Only is only one way, right? When you're in traffic and you're in an only lane, once you commit, there ain't nowhere else for you to go, right? Only going that way. So that's what he's saying. You only commit yourself to what I'm fixing to tell you, see? You only, this is the only way. You commit yourself to this. I keep getting tangled up in my glasses. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the laws which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Now, what's he talking about here? This is old King James, all right? That word law means established principles. These principles that I taught Moses, that Moses brought these children from Egypt to here, the principles that I taught him that got the water out of the rock, that caused all these other things, he said, that's what you need. Those are the principles that you have to learn. Since which my Moses servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. But this book of the law, these established principles, shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Now, who is determining if he's prosperous or not? If he wins or loses? Joshua's in control of this. God said, I've laid these, the Bible in the New Testament calls them exceeding great and precious promises. He's gave us these great, exceeding, precious promises. See, and we talked about this, this a little bit this morning. You know, John, 1 John 3, 2 says, Well, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your 
soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. Even as your soul prospers. If you don't have a prosperous soul, you're not going to be able to get where you want to be in life. The problem lies in your mind, your will, and your emotions. We have to learn we don't go by how we feel. We go by what we believe. See, we don't go by what we see. We go by what we believe. We don't go by what we hear. We go by what we believe. The belief is our foundation, is our stone. So he said, here, if you don't do this, then you're not going to be successful. You're not going to be able to lead these children. You're not going to be able to take these walled cities. See, let me ask you another question. How do you think, now we always try to figure things out in our mind. You know, when we pray, God, help me with this, we always have a way that we think he ought to help us. Huh? We do, we do it. It ought to work this way. Right? But most of the time it ain't going to work that way. So you Joshua, and he sent these spies, and they know these walls are 40 foot tall, 8 foot wide. And he knows he's got to bring these walls down. What do you suggest that he, what do you think that he's thinking about how are we going to bring these walls down? We don't have no excavator. We don't have a bulldozer. We just got a bunch of donkeys. How are we going to bring these walls down? Can you see that? And never in his lifetime would he thought a supersonic sound would crack the walls and they would fall. You've seen people make such a, a, a high octave that it cracks glass. That's what God did to the walls. He had them walk around and be silent for six days. On the seventh day, they gave this yell. Whether it was theirs or whether he helped the pitch, it actually cracked and those walls failed. Nobody would have ever thought of that. Nobody would have ever thought about shouting at a wall would bring it down. But look at your problem. God's got a million ways to fix your problem, but you don't need but one of them. So stop, let's stop trying to figure it out. It's not our place to figure it out. It's our place to rest and believe him and let him do the work. What do you say? The battle is not yours. It's mine. Our battle is what? Believing that he can and that he will. That's our battle. And that's a hard battle because it's all between our ears. To believe that he can, that he will do it. See, that's our battle. And we win that battle that he takes care of whatever it is. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, it doesn't matter. He's already got a promise to cover it. We just got to believe that that promise will work and meditate on that. All right, let's, I'm about finished here. We've got two more verses here. Verse 9. It says, have I not... See, God gets through talking. First thing happens to Joshua is what? His mind goes right back. How are we going to handle these walls? You ever thought you've done that? You ever pray and say, God, I'm going to give this thing to you. And then two seconds later, you're thinking about it again. Well, we didn't ever give it to him. We did, but we took it back. And Joshua did the same thing. And God's getting his attention here. So wait a minute, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong, have some backbone, be of good courage. Don't be afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. Now, this is the bottom line, what, I, what I've deciphered and learned about this so far. My problem is I don't understand how much God loves me. That's my problem. I don't understand how much God loves me. Go to 1 John 
417. Well, we're going to put it on screen on the NLT. I'll read the NLT. I took a picture of this and I put it on my phone. I read it many, many times a day. This is stuff to live by right here. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect or more mature. You know, as your kids grow, they get more confidence in your ability to take care of them, right? When a child gets afraid, they don't run to aunt, uncle, or cousin. Who they run to? Mom and dad. Why? They believe the love. I can get to mama, it's going to be all right. If I can get to daddy, it's going to be all right. If I can get to God, it's going to be all right. You see it. See? But the more we live with God, the more we begin to understand how much he loves us. That word perfect means mature. Our love's not mature. It's not full grown. We haven't understood how great it is. So we will not be afraid in the day of judgment. It's talking about that test, that temptation, that trial, that doctor's report, that unexpected bill, whatever. I won't be afraid. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. How did Jesus live? Go ahead and go to verse 18. How did Jesus live in this world? He made everything head on. Made everything head on. He said, I only say what I hear my father say and only do what I see my father do. That was his formula. And that's our pattern. We only say what God said. By his stripes I'm here. He met all my needs according to his riches in glory. That's all I say. The other don't matter. See? Such love has no fear. Because perfect love or mature love expels all fear. Just like that child running to you. That fear is gone when they get to mama or daddy. See, saying the same thing here. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if I'm afraid, it's because I think something's hurting me. There's a problem. That's, without the loss, there's no fear. If you, don't have the, if you don't have the thought of the loss or the negative consequence in your mind, it, there's no fear produced. It's only produced when, 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 when you see the loss. So you can go to the doctor and you think you've got, I tell you this, this true story, I've sold it several times here, but it's, it's really worth telling again. There's a lady I work with. She started ha having some health problems. she go to the doctor, and I mean for months, off and on, they finally said, thought it was her heart. But she didn't get any better. They do some more tests. And she comes to work that morning, okay? And she goes to the doctor. And the doctor tells her, well, we found the problem out. You got stage four liver cancer. You ain't going to live six weeks. Now, this woman was at work, working, living her life with no big issues. The doctor told her that she never got out of bed again. It took the life out of her. Sucked her dry. Why? That thought, until she got the word cancer, she could live with it. When they tied it to her, it brought fear. And boom, put her down just like that. She never, six, didn't even live six weeks. Perfectly, I mean, I, she wasn't perfectly fine. She had stayed for cancer. But she was living and operating and working every day, doing what she was supposed to, just living a normal life. See, she would have been better off not to known and just lived on until she died. 
She could have lived a year, two years, I don't know, six weeks. I don't know what it could have been. But it would have been more than what that was. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor and have something to think something wrong with you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, see, there was no fear with her until she got a diagnosis. And that fear was bigger than God's ability to deliver her. See? And I, I read that every day and I say this. God loves the fear out of me. God loves the fear out of me. He loves the fear out of me. God loves Vic. God loves, you say your name. That's, I mean, he loves you, he loves me. God loves Vic. God's got me. God's going to take care of me. God loves me. I need to understand it because I don't understand, didn't understand that, that how much that he loved me. But then when I got the analogy of putting my love for my kids and his love for me, I could begin to comprehend it a little bit. How we don't want anything to go bad for our kids. We, we, we'll, we'll intercede. We'll intervene. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to do to see that they get a, a, a good outcome. Is that right or wrong? See, and that's what God's doing for us. But we don't believe the love. We don't understand how big it is and how much he wants better for us than we want for ourselves. Isn't that? So I, I leave you with this. Start practicing the love. Start practicing believing God over whatever you're dealing with. Whatever your problem is, he's bigger. And there's already a promise, but you've got to do the work. Nobody can do the work for you. You've got to get in here and find out what he said about you and your situation. It's in here. There's nothing in this world that's not covered right here. But we've got to find out what he said. And when, when we find out what he said, that brings faith, see? And the more we practice what he said, then all of a sudden we, it hits us. Hey, I can beat this. I can do this. See, faith is calm then, see? I can overcome this. I can come out of this. I can have better than this. See? And it changes, flips our lives dramatically because what he said finally become true and we, can, and we believe it more than we believe the problem. See? So take that with you this week. Practice the love. Whatever your situation is, think about how much God loves you. What he's done. He can't give you no more than he's already gave. He gave his life. And on that, if you read the crucifixion prophecy in Isaiah, there is nothing that he didn't take on that cross for you and me. Would it be physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. He took everything that could ever happen to a human being on that cross so we don't have to. And because we don't understand the love, we go through it. And we suffered so much in life that we didn't have to suffer if we just understood how much he loved us and what he's already done for us. Amen? Amen. Get something out of that this morning? Amen. Who's going to get the announcements this morning? Thank you. God bless you all. Y'all have a good week. All right. Our fall festival is coming up quickly. It is Wednesday, October 26th from 6 to 8 at Oak Bottom Farm Venue. We still need individually wrapped candy and bingo gifts, especially gifts for men. There's a drop-off location in both foyers. Donations are due by this Wednesday, October 19th. We also need baked goods for our cakewalk. There's a sign-up sheet in both foyers. Please sign up and let us know what you will be bringing. All baked goods must be dropped off at Oak Bottom by 1 p.m. on October 26th. Or you can request your items to be picked up. For more details concerning the baked goods, please see Sister Angie Coker. 
There will be three food trucks on site at Oak Bottom that night. Reek's Tacos, the Farmer's Daughter's Country Store, and Baked by Leslie. All kids will receive one free meal ticket. Adults and teens can purchase a combo plate starting at $8. Also, everyone who is volunteering that night, next Sunday there will be a meeting um, directly after service. We are having a blanket drive for the Veterans Home in Brundage. It will start next Sunday, October 23rd, and continue through Sunday, November 6th. We need at least 17 twin or full-size blankets for beds, not throws. They're full-size or twin-size. Drop-off locations will be in both foyers. Your help is greatly appreciated. If you're unable to go out and purchase a blanket, you could also make a donation. You can just put that in one of the envelopes and write blanket on it. Um, Pastors 2022 Camo Series will begin on Sunday, October 30th and continue for three weeks. Make plans to attend these exciting services and remember to wear your camo. During the month of October, the bookstore is spotlighting Charles and Annette Capps books. This includes the bestseller, God's Creative Power, the leather edition. Throughout this month, all Capps books will be 50% off. Be sure to stop by today and stock up on these great books. October calendars are in both foyers. Be sure to pick one up. Y'all have a blessed week.